Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated by the obstacles you face? Well, you're not alone. The Resiliency Ninja is here to help. Allison Graham is a speaker, author, and business coach. But most importantly, she's on a mission to give you tools to succeed in times when it feels like life sucks. Now, here's your host, Allison Graham. Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast, where we uncover the story behind the success story. I am your host, Allison Graham, and I love that you are here with me. And if you love what we're talking about, uh, please come over and say hi online. See me at the website at r-ninja.com. And also don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review to help me spread the word about this. Now, today's guest is someone who I have known for years, so I know the story behind the story, and I know you're going to get a lot of value out of it. It's Kimberly Clark, and she is the president of KCI Management, Inc. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you, Allison. Pleasure to be here. It's awesome to have you. So I'm going to read for our listeners a really short formal bio that is just going to scratch the surface on how incredible a business you've built. Okay, so here we go, people. Uh, Kimberly is a marketing strategist specializing in events. Kimberly works with clients in the tech and luxury business, such as Ferrari, Deloitte, ServiceNow, Sage, Dun and Bradstreet, Pitney Bowes, and First Data to name a few. (laughs) So uh, I remember talking with Kimberly and I'll be like, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm at the Formula One race, right? (laughs) Like you've had a pretty fun life. Uh, I have to admit, I I feel very fortunate to have landed in a role that I truly love what I do. And of course, on our social media, KCI has a hashtag love what we do. So I feel very fortunate for that. Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. And I know that, you know, the Super Bowl and all that high-end luxury stuff can seem very glamorous. And we're going to get into the story behind the story, but maybe you can just walk us through a little bit about um, what it is you do. So clients call you and just sort of what is that, that role that you play? Yeah. I mean, when I describe KCI, it's pretty simple. I say our core competency, Allison, is in event operations. So that's the logistics. We, you know, we make the event happen behind the scenes, if you will. Um, but we have a niche in VIP and hospitality care, which are you know programs, as you mentioned, such as Super Bowl. Uh, we've run programs in Aspen on ski trips. We've done you know, all, all of the sporting events, you name it, we've done it, NHL hockey games, uh, Major League Baseball games, NFL football games. Um, of course, with Ferrari as a client, we certainly do uh, a lot around Formula One and other uh, motorsports events. So some of those things are the more glamorous, pretty cool. But at the same time, a big piece of our company is event operations, which is bringing the event to life and, and checking every box as we go. So from a stress perspective, anybody who's either run a charity event, a business event, or even a wedding, Mm -hmm. uh, and I know you don't do wedding planning, but just any of those events, like my friends who don't run the events and they run a wedding, they are exhausted, right? Like there are so many moving parts. And I don't even know, like, how do you deal with that over and over and over and over again, that level of stress? Like that must be very, very trying. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the reality is an event is a live production. I mean, I often say to folks, you know, it's it's marketing events that we do for the most part. And I often say to folks, you know, if you're a marketer doing a direct mail campaign, if things are running a bit behind, that's fine. You push the direct mail campaign out by a week. There's no pushing an event out by a week in the business. <laughs> so yeah, they I mean, you know, it's a, it's a live production and everything has to line up and come together. And of course there are bumps and, uh, and forks in the road along the way that comes with the territory. Um, how do we deal with that? I guess it, it's, it's really interesting. I'm at a place now 16 years later that I've had the business and over 20 years in the business of events, I can say, you know, I, I guess I have two sayings. There's nothing we can't fix is definitely one of them. The other one I often say is there's no room for alarmists. So no need to panic. There's always a solution and we can always fix this. So, you know, it's really, of course, about having the right people on the job and having a critical mind for thinking, you know, really backup plans, what could go wrong. And, and certainly having the experience, the expertise and the confidence to be able to resolve an issue as it comes up. Because I guarantee you, every single event has an issue. It just depends, does it happen in the pre-planning phase or does it happen during the event and how do we fix it? Right. And so you've got a team of people. Is that something that comes naturally for them because they've actually like just gone into the industry or when somebody's junior in the event role, like, I love that. Like there's no room for, what was the word you used? Drama or alarmists. Yeah. Alarmists. Right. Like, is there, I remember actually once, you know, earlier in my career and I was actually running one of the outdoor concert series. You maybe don't even know this story. I did not. Okay. Are you for fun? It was a lot of fun. And it was the hot air balloon festival. And we had all these bands coming in and this band showed up. I can't even remember which one it was like Clearwater Revival or something. Anyway, so it was this, you know, oldies band like 1970s or 80s where they rocked it and they show up and they want to know where is the party for them? Where is the signing? Where is all of this, you know, stuff that's supposed to happen around the it? VIP meet and greet. Yeah, yeah. Where right. is <laughs> well, nobody intended on having a VIP meet and greet, right? And nobody intended any of it. But I remember I was an alarmist because here I have this like quasi- famous band who is like, where are the VIP people? And I all of a sudden have to produce VIP people, but I don't recognize that I'm on the walkie talkies that everybody can hear. (laughs) (laughs) My alarmistness. So I, anyway, it was just funny. I, I remembered that story, but I'm sure there's like a learning curve to get to that point where you just quietly walk away and go, of course, there's a VIP event for you. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you in just a few minutes, hang tight, have a beer and we'll be back. Well, we try not to use that learning curve on our clients. So, you know, I would never uh, expect any of our clients to be experimental or, you know, guinea pigs to use that word with any of our, um, you know, anyone new in the profession of the industry with us. So we certainly do team up our senior members of our team with those that are just entering. And that's just kind of the model that we run events with. So um, we're very careful, very cautious to uh, really staff our events and our programs with the right expertise, with the senior leaders, 
And uh, I certainly have a good finger on the pulse of any event that has uh, high stakes to it. Uh, trust me, I'm, I'm very ingrained in what's going on and certainly doing contingency planning in my own head, uh, let alone with the team on a regular basis. Right, which is awesome. So now let's talk about contingency planning because you have been in business, what is it, 13 years now, 14? 16, yeah. 16. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, okay, I'm just reminiscing in my mind about all the years we've known each other since you started your business. And so you started off, and maybe you can just tell the story. I think you can tell it best about what happened and how things went awry and then came back. Yeah, the I mean the evolution of the business is um, it, it you know started out pretty straightforward. I struck out on my own um, 16 years ago. Actually, thought I was going to go into marketing consulting. My offering to the community was and really kind of London Toronto based was that I would be a marketing consultant, filling the gap for companies that couldn't hire, couldn't afford to hire internal um, resources and couldn't afford to necessarily hire agencies on contract. So I would be kind of a short-term part-time fill-in to do project work on marketing um, initiatives. Well, sure enough, wouldn't you know uh, that everything I approached, my, my answer to the marketing problem was a live event. Of course, that's always what I saw as the marketing initiative that needed the most priority. So it wasn't long before I was working with my clients on uh, live events and between trade sh- association trade shows, some business conferences, you know, anything from, um, you know, a, a technology user conference to uh, road shows to, um, as I said, a trade show. And uh, very fortunate to get uh, introduced within my early years to a really large uh, global software company. And I started, uh, you know, working with them in Canada and before too long, um, really, you know, grew our team in Canada and uh, was fortunate to, you know, once they heard about our services, they started engaging us from the U.S. They started engaging us globally and uh, over an 11 and a half year period, um, this particular software giant uh, made up 80% of our revenue by 2015 um, and we were operating for them globally around the world. We're, we're operating with them regionally um, in Canada and uh, in North America as well. So we enjoyed incredible success and growth with them um, over an 11 and a half year period. And it was, it was really fun. I mean, we honestly had purposely put all of our eggs in that basket. And um, we were working with so many groups within the company that we thought, hey, you know, I knew that one day we would not be working together. I mean, that's that's life and that happens. Um, but I also thought we'd be able to see it coming because we were working with so many different business units. I thought it's never going to all go away at once. It will go away over time. I'll see the writing on the wall and I'll, I'll start to do some business development. All of our business until 2015 had truly come uh, by word of mouth and by referral. So, of course, you know, pretty pleased and happy about that. It says a lot about our work. And so most of those referrals were coming from within the same company, like across, exactly. across, across, across. Yeah. And in fact, Allison, I even rationalized our business in 2012. I think it was 2011, 2012. Um, I actually downsized and, and um, you know, fired essentially some of our clients really to be able to focus on this one big client. And the referrals kept coming in internally from within this big, com- big client um, that allowed us to grow um, substantially over the 11 and a half year period that we worked together. It was all happy. 
<laughs> I remember those days. I remember the celebrations of, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon chit-chatting on your couches by the fireplace and yeah, really things were going great. Yeah. I mean, we really had it made. We were an extension of their, their team. Uh, we were so strongly engaged. We had, uh, you know, email addresses and computers of theirs that, you know, their identity, we were really a, a part of the, of the team and truly in, an integral piece to the office of the CEO as well, um, which was huge, including running uh, for four years in a row, a global CEO summit where 75 of the world's leading CEOs, uh, you know, came to join this event that, that we ran for them. Um, but unfortunately, in early 2016, we got word that they would be going in a different direction and no longer be working with us, which was a complete shock, absolutely knocked me off my socks. And it wasn't just one business unit, it was the whole business. Um, and the reason for this, I, I can only ascertain, is we were caught in the middle of a political battle between basically two executives and uh, the, the one uh, global executive won the battle. And we, along with a few other agencies, were squeezed out. So that was devastating, as you can imagine. Absolutely devastating. And, you know, when I listen to your story, one of the things that if you were coaching an up and coming business person who was working with a huge company, you would say, create depth with your relationships, create influence with your relationships. And here you were doing the CEO for the US market. You were right there and they think the world of you. And it still went sideways. Yeah, it was actually the global CEO, Allison, just to be clear, but in no way could I have seen this coming. Like I said, I thought we would see it coming over time, or perhaps there was a new agency edging us out. You know, we were truly just caught in something, along with other agencies, I should say, we weren't the only ones, um, that, that, you know, really, it's a power struggle between two executives. And the executive I was aligned to happened to lose out on this particular power struggle. So unpack this for me. You get the news. First of all, how do you get the news? Oh, that's really my favorite part of the story, honestly. Uh, it was family day, which is a big important one to myself and, and my family. My husband uh, and my boys and I were skiing in uh, BC, enjoying a family vacation together. And at uh, first thing in the morning, um, I got an email on this family holiday, um, very cold, very blanket, if you will, um, with, with nothing more than, you know, we've chosen to go in a different direction and somebody will be in touch with you with further details. So you can imagine my reaction. I mean, it was absolutely, it, it, I was gutted. I'm just thinking like, I know Dwayne and the kids and, and you're out there, you know, I can just imagine having this ski trip. You get this email, like, were you shocked? Like, absolutely. And absolutely the shocked. denial, like at the first bit, like, or does your heart yeah. race? This can't be happening. Um, I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to fix this. There's somebody's made a mistake. We weren't supposed to receive this email. This is wrong. It was shocking and and gutting at the same time. So my initial reaction, you're perfectly right, was denial. And I, I could tell you, I did spend the first few days really trying to keep my foot in the door, like really trying to fix this, trying to put it back together. Um, it did take me a few days to realize that this was this was happening. And I was fortunate, there's a couple things fortunate, a few things fortunate that came out of it, but, um, you know, they did have a wind down period with us. So we had several months of work to do together. So I was really trying hard to hang on to that and, you know, expand that and, and, 
and really engage as much as I could in the last few months that we still had under contract with them. That was my immediate reaction was, you know, wrap my arms around the, the, the angles of the company that I was aligned to, which was unfortunate because it prevented me from really, you know, getting my head in the game on what I really needed to do. I was looking backwards instead of looking forwards for the first few weeks. But the thing is, is that in business, we would often teach relationship is what you need. And you had the relationships, right? And this is why when I'm talking to audiences about profitable relationship development, I'll often say relationships can't trump reality. And it, it sounds like you got thrown into this. And there, I know there were people who were on your side, right? Trying to go like, no, no, like probably helping you stay stuck in the past and not move forward. Weren't there like people? That's, that's, that's another part of the story. I mean, the business owners that we worked with, I mean, really there's only one executive that wanted to see us and these other agencies removed. So you can imagine the the reaction from the executives we supported from the individuals we supported from the marketing groups, they were absolutely devastated and, and working their hardest because I mean, listen, the work that we do makes them look good. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are we going to do without you? This can't be true. So you're right from the relationship side. But I think where this, this story starts to take a positive turn is as it turns out, the relationships I had made over the 11 and a half years inside that company were really my greatest benefit and my greatest tool to move forward. So what was the turning point? Because you obviously would have gone through a bit of grief, I would think, losing an 11 and a half year relationship in business at some point? Like, were there tears? Yeah. Were there? Yeah, there some tears. Um, Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Like, that sucks. Yeah. No, you're, you're perfectly right. So, so you know, they were 80% of our revenue in 2015. It was our biggest year ever. And here it is, February 16th of, of 2016. And I've just learned I've got, you know, a few months to wrap up with them. And my first react, I mean, after I realized this is actually happening, once I got through the denial, it was um, absolute, you know, calamity. I just, I cried. I couldn't get out of bed. I was depressed. I thought the company was folding. I told my husband, who's a stay-at-home dad, that he needed to start driving Uber or delivering pizzas or something because this company was folding. And I'm, I say that with a smile, but I was, it was, I was seriously deflated and I thought I had nothing. You know, when when the numbers say it all, um, I really thought we had nothing, and I thought that's it, we're done. Uh, we'll you know ride this out until the end, and and I got to start looking for a job. That was that was what I went through first. So is there uh, like you're fairly like because I know you, listeners don't necessarily know you yet, but like you're not the kind of person who really beats yourself up. Like, you know, I have that internal messenger of bullshit that I'm constantly, uh, you know, <laughs> having to battle the, you know, the the attack ads, right, that are saying, oh, you're not good enough. You're not this. Like, was there a point where you turn this on you? Absolutely. I, I took full responsibility. And I think that's the part that upset me the most was how did I not see it coming? How did I not better protect our company? And my number one concern was my family and our employees. Of course. I, you know, I was I was just sick about it. And I felt like I'd let everybody down. And for that, I felt I couldn't go on. And that was where the depression really set in. And I felt I didn't have any coping skills. I, I remember just saying to myself over and over, I can't, I can't, I can't. It was something that I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't get that out of my head. And I and cried a lot, a lot. <laughs> and which is good because I think the, the tears are what lead to the healing ultimately. And so where, okay, what was the impetus that made you go from, 
I can't to fuck, I have no choice. Right. I can count on my hand. A number of people offered to help. My word, there was, you know, people were amazing around me and, and rallying. A lot of people made offers, but really never followed through. And that was a big learning experience for me too. Oh yeah, I'm going to do this for you. I, I'm going to get that. I'm going to help you. I'm going to make these introductions. And a lot of people just said things and, and didn't act. Conversely, there were half a dozen people that really put me back on my feet and the most unsuspecting people, I mean, I would not have expected or planned for. So really folks that said, I'm not going to let you fail. I'm, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to open some doors. And they, they were setting up meetings for me and making introductions because really they're saying you have a great product, you have a great brand, get out there and get some new business, which felt overwhelming to me. But essentially what I did one foot in front of the other is I just started having meetings um, they didn't qualify them. I just had them. <laughs> and you know what? To be honest, many of them led to absolutely nothing, but it built my confidence. It got me telling my story and people were really interested in what we had to say in some cases. In some cases they weren't, but it, it got me going again. It got me like, okay, take a deep breath. You know, we do have something special and others are going to get to experience it now. So this is where really... I, I was so fortunate um, because of the time that I worked with this client over so many years, as you can imagine, the number of executives that I came in contact with and supported in such a tremendous way, when I would reach out to any of them, and there were easily half a dozen, and say, you know, this is the situation and I'm looking to build the business, immediately the reaction in more often, in more cases than you can imagine was, oh my gosh, you're available for hire? I thought you were exclusive to this other company. So when they heard, when they learned that they could work with us, it just, it was magical and fabulous. And um, so, I mean, over time, we we just landed, uh, you know, first of all, we were able to run out our work with the, the other organization, which was great. Um, I'm very fortunate for an incredible COO who has a very strong sense of our budgets and cash flow. And, and because of her excellent work in our finance department, the combination of, you know, having, having revenue still coming in, having strong cash flow, and then building up new revenue, it all just gelled. And what I can tell you today, one of the things I'm most proud of is if I opened my financials to you and said, Allison, tell, pick out the year in our financials where we lost our biggest client that was 80% of our revenue the year before, you, you can't tell. You won't oh be able to. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. So we're, we're uh, you know, 2017 was, uh, you know, our, our first year without any revenue from that significant client. And uh, we beat 2015, we beat 2016, and we just narrowly beat, uh, sorry, 2016, I should say. Um, but uh, it's shaping the future is looking brighter than it ever has. And honestly, this was the greatest blessing that ever happened to our business. I'm grateful for the years we had. Uh, at this significant client. I mean, it was such a terrific learning and a wonderful foundation. Um, but at the end of the day, I now have a company with a diverse client base and some magnificent clients. And our, our morale is higher. Our values are aligned to our clients' values. We're very selective about the work we take on. Uh, we're more profitable, better margins, and a stronger team than ever. I know you wouldn't want to change the experience ultimately because it led to where you are now with a super strong company and all of the, like the diversity in your client base, et cetera. But if you were say mentoring someone who was in the same industry and the same market, 
And they said to you, I've got this client, they're huge, I'm in all the different divisions, and you know, our relationships run deep and we're strong, and we don't have time to go out and nurture and develop more business and work with other clients. Because that's what I hear with my coaching clients is they say, Oh my gosh, I've got so much work over here, I can't get new clients. I can't I couldn't even manage them if I got them. And why didn't I listen to you when you said that to me? Yeah. <laughs> <Should> well, <have. laughs> that was a long time and ago. That is exactly the advice that people need to follow. I wish I had followed. And I think for me at the end of the day, Allison, the question would be, why did I not go out and, and nurture my network and build new relationships and build new business? Because I didn't have the right people internally to handle this account. The growth of this account came primarily because of myself and probably a couple other, you know, rock stars on our team. But if I had to put more investment in putting the right team into this existing client to allow me to go out and build relationships and develop new clients, we wouldn't be in this position. We wouldn't have been in that position, I should say. We're in a right. great position now. But the, the point is, if you think you don't have time, what that really says is you don't have the right people. Mm, brilliant. If you don't have time, you don't have the right people. Oh, that's like a staccato note. It, it is. And it's, it's a, I've learned the tough way. And, you know, even I listen, I make that all sound so rosy, how quickly we, we bounced back. The other part of the story during our bounce back period was here. I thought we were going down, right? So we had two employees, two of our, our really top season employees go on maternity leave each for a year. Well, at first, this is a blessing. Oh, good. Okay, there's two off the payroll. You know, it had a, a contract uh, employee um, whose contract ended, so we didn't renew. We let that go. So we were down, you know, 20, 25% of our workforce. Well, that's fine if we went down 20, 25% of our business, but we didn't. Our business kept growing. So I had to, during this time, balance, you know, doing business development and delivering the business. And um, I can say that was a really rocky ride for me. It was, I was working way too hard, um, but we're in a place now where, again, we've got the right people on the job, we've got the right people in the right roles, and I'm comfort comfortable and I'm confident bringing them in, introducing to our clients, they take the event, they run with it, and I get to be, go, go back to being the leader of the company, you know, managing and maintaining our, our client relationships, especially our key clients. But I trust our team has it and I'm not needed to be in there as in depth as I was with this key client that we had for 11 and a half years. Which is brilliant. Well, Kimberly, it's awesome. Thank you for sharing your story. And I think people who, I don't know who they are, but there are people who would go through what you went through and they would have stayed on the couch. And they would have not gone and developed the business and seen the light. So that was that was huge for you to do that. And I think you will inspire our listeners. So uh, thank you again. Now, tell everybody where they can find you. I know you have some social media handles. We do. We're, uh, our website is kcimanagement.com. Um, I can be followed at kclark on Twitter. And we are also at kcimgmt on Twitter. And Allison, I don't know our Insta handle, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. You know what? If people want to uh, go on Instagram, 
and they can just search you or search for me and I follow you. And they can also go to r-ninja.com backslash podcast and I will have everything there for them so that they can just link right over, get the show notes. Uh, Thanks again for being here, everyone. It's the Resiliency Ninja podcast. My name is Allison Graham and please share this with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. It's so important to let other people hear these stories as we uncover the story behind the success story. And I will see you or listen to you or you'll hear me next week. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Resiliency Ninja with Allison Graham. We are thrilled to have you as part of our community. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always connect with Allison at r-ninja.com and find important links to show notes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, embrace whatever obstacles come your way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.